0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: You're listening to The Drake Podcast Show with your host for this evening, Dom. This episode is proudly sponsored by Rising Lioness Apparel. For more information, visit risinglioness.com.au. com. Miss a show? Catch up on all the latest episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Deezer and Apple Podcasts today. Enjoy the show.
2: Um, well, first of all, I'd just like to acknowledge country. Um, on Yagra country um, in Mianjin, which is South Brisbane, but I was born on Gadigal country down there in Sydney, um, and also acknowledge sorry business. So we've had a fair few prominent passings in our community um, recently, so must acknowledge those people that have passed and paved the way, the freedom fighters that have been, you know, literally sacrificed their lives for the freedoms that we have today. So first and foremost, I'd just like to pay my respect to those um, that have died fighting in the struggle. And that's led me to where I am today. Uh, my parents and grandparents are passed, so I literally am picking up where they left off. So it's not a job for me. It's not something that I necessarily want to do it's an obligation um, that I continue to stand in the gap and be that voice. Um, And hopefully my parents, grandparents and honourable ancestors will know that they didn't die in vain. And, you know, us future generations uh, picking up and um, fighting the good fight.
1: Well, 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 you are in for a treat tonight, friends. The two people that I'm about to interview on my panel tonight are revolutionary in the cause for freedom. Our First Nations sister Yarika Bales, a grandmother, mother of Quaiden, and foster carer, was still willing to jump on the air tonight with me and share her heartfelt conviction on fighting for a just cause such as this one: freedom and justice. And Waito's Truth, who has a brilliant and provocative podcast right now on Spotify, has been leading New Zealanders by storm for the past 20 years and informing them of the absolute corruption that is rife in this globalist-run system, which is causing the once-beautiful land of New Zealand and their Maori owners real strife. But there is hope, as we're about to hear from their mouths themselves. Enjoy episode 14, part one of The Drake Podcast Show.
3: Have been quite the talk of the town in New Zealand this week, haven't you? With all of the things going on with the water table and a whole bunch of, I guess, disunification agendas from the the far left. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what your involvement's been with that? Uh,
0: Yeah, well, obviously, um, I've got a bit of a connection with with a bloke that used to um, actually own some water springs in New Zealand himself, um, which were pretty much forcefully taken off him via the Chinese um and and obviously that was was down in the south island in, in New Zealand so um between me and him there is a non-disclosure order on the water information in New Zealand um and I'm disclosing it <laughs> pretty much as is, is I I don't really don't have a care in the world about um the non-disclosure order I don't have a care in the world about what the government has to say or what they don't want well really what they don't want me to say um, so, yeah, I've just been disclosing the water and the land information and obviously everything everything else under the sun that, that's that been going um, on in New Zealand at the moment.
3: Well, I've got to say, that's very, very brave of you, bro. I, I've been talking to a whole bunch of nurses recently here in, in New South Wales and, and more widely Australia, and they're getting to the point where if they don't whistleblow, they don't sleep at night because they know how wrong it is, and how much it's just corroding at their conscience every day when they know that there's no pandemic.
0: And absolutely, there's not a cell in my body that doesn't that tells me to shut up. Like it just tells me to keep going. So, no matter what they've done, they've sent internal affairs to my house before. They've sent police officers to my house before. I just tell, keep telling them to tune on in. They're not going to tell me to shut up at all. You know, this is our land, and and this is what we want to give back to the to the generations that we're borrowing this off. Mm. Um, so. We've got to look after it and and we are the last ones that are really going to look after it. So we have to.
3: Yeah. Yarika, have you got anything to add to that, sister?
2: Just that I love your work, love listening to you. Um, you know, just knowing that you've been doing this for 20 years is a huge, it's very encouraging, very it's a breath of fresh air to hear, you know, other mob from other countries, other indigenous people speaking up because we don't see enough of it you know and I think why we do speak up is because our old people that have paved the way before us that's why we keep doing what we're doing we don't have a choice you know we have to speak up because we know what's right we do have a heart and a soul and a conscience and if we you know I suffered in silence and I guess my fear of speaking out kept me silent for so long and now I'm only just learning to understand and realize the power of our voice because at the end of the day that's all we got we ain't taking nothing else to the grave so we have an obligation as you mentioned brother for future generations and I look at my three children and my two grandchildren every day and that's what does it for me I don't need anything else in the world but to look at these five kids to know I've got to live by example and we've got to pave the way and pick up where our old people have left off before us so you know with awesome men and warriors like you fellas paving the way for us um and just continuing to speak up stand up and speak out it's really encouraging and empowering others to do the same so thank you both for what you do the amazing work that you do in this space as well
3: yeah okay. it's um an absolute honor to be able to you know come shoulder and shoulder with you and some of the other beautiful First Nations people that I've known have been at a lot of these protests years before I was probably even born. Yeah, indigenous yeah.
2: people around the world have been doing this the longer. So we know a thing or two about survival and about fighting corrupt governments.
3: If you do want to learn survival guide, don't be going to your Allen and Unwin and your book publishers. Go to Yarica, Go to people that have actually, you know, <laughs> respectfully been here from day dot. We came in on ships, literally. And I just, it's such a crazy thing to wrap around their head that there even needed to be colonialization, you know, for there to be such a disruption of peace and the way people's lives were lived before we came in. And, you know, I guess I, I want to do what a lot of prime ministers aren't willing to do right now in the spirit of unity as a Christian, but as a decent human being and someone that has had such a revelation about this recently, about how we were part of the problem. There was systemic racism and and if we didn't ask like against the grain why that was and go and search outside of the mainstream, you can actually realize like saying sorry goes a long way. But actually treating the Aboriginal and the First Nations people and the Torres Strait Island people and people that are more at risk of this sort of racism and poor treatment from government, it's not hard. You can do it at home today. We are sorry. I'm sorry, you know, on behalf of a lot of white people, people who have been disenfranchised in the system, people who have been lost in the system, and also just people that are ignorant. You know, I've been ignorant for a long time. And then to come and hear your speech, it nearly brought me to tears because I could see that you are literally a lioness warrior. You're fighting for the next generation. You give a damn, where people are often very happy to turn a blind eye to what injustice is actually really going on right now. To your people, to your your beautiful little son. got to watch, if you don't mind me mentioning this, I actually got to watch uh, the Australian story and actually catch up on um, is it is it Kaden so, yeah. uh, He's got such a fighting spirit and he's such a warrior like his mum. and i'm sure you know as i said your mum and dad would be so proud in the heavenlies watching down at you guys and i believe um, in angels i believe that there are angels guiding us and there's angels watching us i hope that that gives you some peace tonight guys there's a big fight coming still this is nothing this hasn't even scratched the surface what we've looked down the barrel of there are literally going to be a a day where martial law is the norm and we're going to have to get used to that. We're going to adjust to that. We're going to have to be able to survive extinction from that. And, and people talking like that go, oh, well, you're a crazy Paul hat wearer, Dom. Maybe so. But look at all the things. Connect all the dots right now. This is where society is going. You're talking about how the day is coming when New Zealand, Australia, America, we're seeing the death of democracy. We're seeing the death of the free world. This is what it is. Yep,
0: exactly. It's, it's um, welcome communism. It's going to start off in this agenda and then it's going to move on to communism from there on out. So um, the fall of of Western society as we know it is is really on our doorstep. Oh, well, wow. this is where we look back at our indigenous people and we need to start looking back. And that's why one thing with, with myself is I started looking back at that because it's like, well, these people survived this already. Mm-hmm. They've done this. They've been there, done that. You know, so we've got to look at you know our history so that history doesn't repeat and if it history repeats we're going to end up in a in an even worse one world government because we're already under one now so
3: yeah
0: it just you know how bad how bad or how bad is it going to get before people start waking up and saying hey look this is going on and start listening to the people that actually know what's going on
2: mm. exactly
3: yeah yeah okay. is there anything that like personally people have been coming to you and kind of saying after like listening to your speeches listening to your I guess your cries your pleas to people to just wake up like is it working is it having that effect that you were hoping it would have on some of the First Nations people that have like maybe trusted the government or not really had you know access to I guess that advocacy Um, well
0: the hardest the hardest thing in
3: New Zealand to be honest at the moment is
0: that we have um, this Māori Party in New Zealand, which is, you know, they've pledged allegiance to the Queen. They haven't pledged allegiance to the New Zealand people at all. And they're running yeah. under the New Zealand Parliament. She's the minister of something to do with travel or something like that. Um, but she's got a ta on and everything. And so she, and, and the hardest thing for me to explain is that she's actually working against us because they've put someone in that looks so much like them. They're using their... Um, looks, you know, because they are moldy because they do have a tamako, they're using their looks so that moldy represent, they think that moldy representing moldy when it's not really happening, you know, and then Jacinda goes and does something like uses matari, Matariki, which is the Moldy New Year, as, you know, she puts that in as a public holiday, so then all the Māoris are start saying, oh, well, she's doing everything for us now, she's starting to do things for us now, so it's starting to make her look good when really... She's doing that just to play the fiddle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She's throwing everyone under the bus, but there's a lot of Māoris um, that are following that that bus under the other bus. So they're the ones that when the British came to New Zealand to try and colonise New Zealand, they're the Māoris that joined the other team and tried to talk the other Māoris into joining the, the British team again. So we're just having to repeat a history just in a different uh, century and a different look. That's all.
2: Exactly. Same thing was happening here too. We had the native mounted police and the black trackers that they were using to go and kill our own mobs. So they're using us against each other. And it's very calculative. When you look at the patterns of Western myth-making and colonialism, you see these patterns. Every colonised country across the world um, we've experienced similar. And it's that Western mentality of divide and conquer. If you look at the opposite meaning of divide and conquer, it's the fundamentals of Indigenous culture and society, connection, when you understand that everything is interconnected, um, you know, you. it's like you just have this realisation like, wow. Um, and I'm only just tapping the, you know, it's really just breaking through now at 39 years old, I'm like, my goodness, the more I learn, the more I realise I don't know and the more I realise I have to unlearn what I've learned and how, we've been conditioned and assimilated um, it's just been I think the last year has been a blessing in disguise for a lot of people um, what they've used to divide and conquer even more is somewhat um, backfiring on them because it's awoken mm. um, a lot of people a lot more people are um, starting to wake up unfortunately in my community I'm not seeing enough of it which is quite frustrating mm. but I know um brother wade over there says hey we've got a lot more people turning up to our marches than they do over there um and i think i read somewhere like there's three percent of the australian population that are attending so if you take that three percent of truthers that are standing up on the front line speaking out against this corruption and bullshit what's been going on well as first nations people in this country we only make up three percent of the population the amount of people that are speaking up in my community I would say it would be 0.0001%. And I was getting very frustrated, like, why aren't our people waking up? How can they be so trusting in the very government that have killed us? Yeah. Um. You know, the genocidal tactics that are still in full effect today just as much as they were since colonisation in 1788. And my sister explained to me, she goes, Sis, she can't be frustrated, when you flip the script and look at it from um, a different approach, she said, we have been the lab rats and the guinea pigs longer than anyone else in this country. So we've gotten more poison, more fluoridation, more of the vaccine tests. So I think our brains are much more fried than anyone else's because we've been lab rats. They've tested everything on us first. So our people are going to be a lot harder to wake up, and that's exactly what we're experiencing at the moment. And I just thank God that my parents and grandparents were way ahead of their time, and they warned us about the dangers of vaccines. I just listened to an interview with my dad from July 2012, interviewing Meryl Dory from the AVN, speaking about the dangers of vaccines. So I think I am blessed to be among one of the only First Nations family in this country that have never vaccinated for generations back. Um, You know, we were raised on a very traditional lifestyle. Dad took us out hunting and connecting to country. Um, And we just don't see enough of that. You know, even though I grew up in Redfern um, on the block, but moving back to country and learning um, our culture and ceremonies and, and our song lines and songs and dances, that's been the most powerful act for me as a first nations person to decolonize um and to realize that you know we can do that, everyone to assert our sovereign rights and bodily autonomy that is the most revolutionary thing we can do right now because that's the only way we're going to win this war.
3: hundred yeah, wow. wow that's a big big pill to swallow i I didn't realize how um affected I was from um there was a clinic when I was six that all the kids would be kind of take taken along to. And they would say, everyone that went in there, 99.9% would come out and they'd either have ADD, ADHD or OCD. And they'd just give you a packet of, you know, basically a packet of amphetamine and they say, take these. And if he doesn't calm down then up the dose or come back and you'll see a head doctor. And for about a good 20 years, I was in contact with that psychological kind of realm and I didn't realise the reason why they were doing that was because I was an experiment. (laughs) This isn't even about race. This is like so much bigger picture here. We are all lab rats that have consented against our own knowledge of this big pharma criminal corporation basically calling the shots on when day is day and night is night, when we have an hour forward or an hour back. Like this government is just a puppet. There's just something so sinister about pharmaceuticals. And when you look at all these ingredients that were never ever in the body, why is that? Because God made a beautiful natural immune system in us and all they're doing is corroding at it for population control goals. That's all this is. And then I realized how hard you guys have had to take that and how we're only starting to experience that really dark side of the world where there is like a brave new world and we are going in a, in a one world government. It's going to be harder and harder. As Wade said earlier tonight on his live, again, for so, so appropriate for tonight's topic on unity. All they want to do is create disunity and civil unrest. They don't want us to, to experience connection with country, connection with our families, connection with our baby. Like I see some of the sick things that these um, doctors do to babies when they're first born If you dig deeper, this is the kind of stuff that you just go. I'm not even a parent yet, a dad, but my father's heart just cringes at seeing how satanic and twisted these people really are, and how if nobody brings it up, they'll just continue business as normal. Whether it was COVID or it was a smokescreen, they'll use anything they can in the global front to back all this stuff up. Because again, as you said, Wade, it's Agenda 21. It's going way way ahead faster than we thought in 2018 2019 when we were fighting the abortion bill here in New South Wales so
0: yeah 100% like like people have to realize that we are in Agenda 21 like Mm -hmm. Agenda 21 ain't coming anymore it's here like we're living it it's
2: spiritual Um, warfare
0: absolutely 100% spiritual warfare it's it's you
2: feel it you feel it yeah yeah I feel
3: feel a burning in the atmosphere sometimes and I like look up and I go, something dark has come into this planet that is not going away unless we fight it off and tell it who's boss basically. And I believe as a Christian, not to, you know, preach too much, but unapologetically, this has been a conviction on my heart for a while, like a good two years now since having that awakening with God and awakening in my, in myself, nobody can control you unless you give them permission to. That means the government, that means bankers, that means pharmaceutical companies, that means your parents if you want to be a little bit of a rebel. I mean, at at the end of the day, we have our reasons, right? So, And it's the most powerful artillery to take with you to this war, brothers and sisters, seriously. Like, we are sovereign. We are not in contract with the government anymore. The government is not actually Australia. Australia is the First Nations people. Australia is actually a false a false operation that was taken, you know, by force, literally at Mm -hmm. gunpoint. when all you were doing was just living, breathing, breeding, and doing as you did in peace and harmony. So this government came in and they had this agenda since the royals, right? The royals are just basically the CEO of this pet organization. That's the way I see it. And I'm open to your opinions. Again, I'm not saying I know everything, but as I start to see it more and more in the, in the light that I'm starting to see it, Everything is being exposed to the light at some point.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent right. The only other thing that I can sort of add to that at that point, bro, is that during colonisation, actually, this is where the corporations come into into business. Was that the governments actually changed to corporations in 1969? um In 1969, all colonised um, nations were supposed to be removed from the from the lands that they were colonised. So from that time till now, that's why they created, say, in New Zealand, they moved from the na- they built the beehive they built the beehive as government house because they couldn't sit in the national treasury anymore and that is the same reason why you have the do you have the parliament house in sydney you, they're not in the national treasury it's because they're actually a corporation they're no longer an actual government they're nothing but a business so in 1969 they were supposed to have left our lands but they didn't they just built new buildings and they became businesses and still said that they run the countries um yeah at the moment yeah, they are nothing but corporations and we are nothing but entities to the corporation. So,
3: so um, what can we do, Wade? What can we do, Yarika, to completely change the game for the next generation? So there's something well, here for them, lad.
0: Yeah, well, for instance, with New Zealand, and I think I think the best thing that New Zealand has is that, um, no offence to, to you guys over in Aussie there, but we at least have Ahi uh, Whakaputanga, which is a signing of, of 1843, <laughs> off, off the top of my head, 1844, which gave us trading rights just as Maori, Um and it wasn't New Zealand, it wasn't Aotearoa, it was under Maldives sovereignty. Um, mm. So we could then go and trade with Sydney because our boat got, one of our walkers got stopped in Sydney and wasn't allowed to release because we didn't have a flag. Um, wow. So we signed that in 1843, 1844. And then also we have the Treaty of Waitangi, which is um, the mm. treaty between the Maldives and the uh, colonised, well, the British, um, to which... It states in that like if and this is where a lot of people get confused about the Treaty of Waitangi in New Zealand is that um, we actually didn't cede our sovereignty to the New Zealand government or the or England or the Queen. But what they did was they translated the Maori to English and said that we had ceded our sovereignty. But we have no actual word that means ceding sovereignty or anything like that. So um, our contract is to sort of lean on He Whakaputanga when people find out about that and when they finally start waking up to that. Uh, we can lean on that and jump under the New Zealand sovereign flag. So that is the one way that we can start to work and get out of this government or the corporation situation, I should say. Yeah,
2: great points there and similar in our country as well. There is no, you know, we've got at least 750 different language groups, different nations. So the fact that a lot of people think all Aboriginal people speak the same universal language, it's its so complex when you look at this country So they're talking, you know, Australian government, which is an illegal, illegitimate, corrupt government. It's all an illusion. Um, The fact that they think that people can vote to have their power and say who they want in power, it's just, you know, the more I've learnt about that and I've never voted, our family have never voted, we continue um, to assert our sovereign rights. And what um, Brother was saying there, you know, there's no word for seeding sovereignty. In all of the languages across this country, there's no word for invasion um, or any of these things. So if there's no word for it, there's no concept of it. Mm. And as mm. this country has been, you know, scientifically proven to be the oldest civilization in the world, that pretty much um, contradicts everything from the history books. When you're looking at, um, you know, older civilizations, and I remember in history class. I was told from the teacher that we migrated from Africa. So there was different human migrations to this country, yet the oldest burial sites of reflective humans, which is humans with soul, spirit, conscience. And how do we know that? Because we buried our dead and we had ceremony. There's no other place where that happened in the world. So, you know, we just, I look back and think, wow, this country is the oldest civilization in the world with so much cultural knowledge, ancestral knowledge and wisdom that we all can tap into at any given time if we choose to, yet it's been erased from history books.
1: Well, that was part one of our two-part series on unity. Thank you to my panel for this evening, Yarika Bales and Wado's Truth, all the way from New Zealand. Join me next time on the Drake Podcast Show for part two of Unity and how we can get there. If you missed last week's episode, then head over to all your major audio platforms to catch up now. Until next time, good night.